Hey everyone, welcome back. This is Brandy J, Voices of Courage. Today I have with me Kai Smith. Kai Smith has an amazing story for us and I'm so happy to have him here. How are you doing, Kai? I'm doing great. And you? I'm doing great too. I'm so I'm so um so honored to, that you wanted to come on and share with us. No problem. I like sharing my story. Okay, well, that's, you're in the right place. <laughs> okay, well, I know you have a very significant, a very significant story. I wanted to, to ask you a question and then you can just go on in and kind of let the listeners know why, why your story is so significant. And I want to ask you, what was life like before you, you know, it changed? Like, what was it like before? And then just lead into it. Okay, well, before I my life drastically changed. I was a normal 17, almost 18 year old kid. I turned 18 and uh, I felt like the world is at my feet. I have a car. I worked out four to six times a week. I was studying for my central exams for my high school. I was about to get into university and then it all changed. So sudden, huh? So when you, when was that moment? So up until that point, so I'm taking it, it happened so quickly from what I saw. And was it at that very moment that it changed? Like when did the shift happen? Like, can you, can you walk us through it? Well, uh, how it changed was that I was working out like I did four to six times a week and I suddenly had a huge headache a headache that was killing I went inside I noticed that I couldn't see things in my right eye so I knew something was off I went inside and I told my mother if you stand to the right of me I can still see you if you stand to the left of me I can't see you anymore and they knew this wasn't right. So they called the doctor. My neighbor is a doctor. So they called him over. He came over, he did some tests. And he, his conclusion was that I had a migraine. So he told me to get rest, go upstairs, lay, lay in bed, go to sleep, just take rest. If I'd done that, I would have been dead. Because what, what had actually happened was I had a brain hemorrhage at the moment. My dad had a feeling that I had a brain hemorrhage. He do- doesn't know why he had that feeling, but he just kind of had a gut feeling. So he asked the doctor, doesn't he have a brain hemorrhage? The doctor said no, because I've run some tests. He doesn't have speech paralysis or he doesn't have impaired speech. He doesn't have... Uh, tintling sensation in his in his limbs, and he doesn't uh, he doesn't have paralysis in his in his face. So everything is all right. He just has a migraine. At that moment, I he, the doctor went home. I laid down on the floor because I was everything just hurt. And we have a curtain, and my mother tried to close the curtain. It has kind of a ball 
string with balls attached to each other and it just made a rattling sound i was screaming in agony because of that of that sound then uh for me it suddenly went black apparently i had a uh, kind of a seizure i had an epileptic attack and when i woke up i couldn't move couldn't speak it was a strange place with people i didn't know so from healthy 18 year old who was studying for his exams of high school to working out four to six times a week to being a vegetable not being able to speak and not knowing where you are oh my goodness so what was that feeling like were you were you confused terrified uh, mostly confused because even though it was two months in real time for me it was just mere seconds me went black i woke up and i couldn't move anything couldn't speak and didn't know anyone but in reality it was two months because my accident took place on the 12th of may and i woke up and first thing i can remember it was the 16th of july oh my goodness okay let's make sure that we're following through here so when you last remembered when you went into the hospital and then everything kind of shut down in black and everything you actually did not wake up until two months from that time yeah but i didn't even go to the hospital i was still at home oh dear at, at the time i had the epileptic attack that was when suddenly everything went black for me so i don't even remember having the epileptic attack oh wow and you didn't remember anyone didn't, uh, well, I didn't know anyone. I didn't see anyone I knew. So my parents oh. were away at the moment, and I was in a in a room with therapists, doctors, and all that kind of stuff, just walking in and out. Because I was already in the rehabilitation center for over two weeks or three weeks. Okay, so you just happened to start waking up. Yeah, I just happened to become conscious. Oh dear. Okay. Well, that is, that is something there. So what, after that, okay, so when that moment came, did they uh, call your parents right away? Uh, well, they didn't knew I was awake because nothing really changed in their view because I still couldn't move, couldn't speak, but I was just conscious. I just, I was just conscious. So... They didn't call my parents because my parents were there every day. So they came, I think about an hour later, my parents came in, but I couldn't tell them anything. I couldn't let them know that I was awake because I was. I still didn't, didn't know where in God's name I was. Oh, that had to be so, so scary. Oh my goodness. So I'm assuming at this point your parents probably are like kind of confused themselves or excited to see to see that you're awake, right? Uh, I think I. Well, <clears throat> I think they didn't know at the time that I was awake because they thought everyone thought that I was awake far longer because I'd woken up, but I was just very I was in a in a coma coma state. I was, I wasn't really aware of, of what was happening. So at that moment, when I became aware, 
nothing really changed in my appearance, in my in my doing. Mm-hmm. Just I knew I was awake. They didn't know. Got it. Got it. Oh wow, that has got to be something. That's a uh, that's kind of, kind of sometimes something like you you'd see in a movie. When that wow, I'm kind of yeah, lost for work right now. Locked in. <laughs> locked in. Oh my god. Medical terms, they call it locked in. That you are conscious, but you can't move, you can't speak. You're just you and your thoughts. That's the only thing you can do. So, what were what were your thoughts? Okay, where am I? What is this? What's happening? And at some point, I think because this is a little hazy this period of time, so I don't know the exact details, and I don't want to lie. Um, but. In, so, in the next few weeks, I let them know, and they realized that I tried to speak again. So they told me, "Okay, Kai, you have you had a brain hemorrhage because I, at some point, I could speak again." And I asked them, "Why am I here?" They said, "Okay, you have a you had a brain hemorrhage, and you were in the hospital for two months." And my parents told me the full story. And the first thing I asked my mother when I could speak again was, "Can I get a gun? Because I don't want to continue anymore." Well, what did she say? I know that has to be a shocker. She said, "Give me three months. If you if you still feel the same after three three months, I'll get you the gun." Wow, that's a tough one for a mother. Oh, that was a very intense um, moment there. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, okay. So, what was so after? Because I know if you said uh, that you had a was it was it a five percent chance to um, that you were gonna either was that prior to the, prior to it or this is when you woke up was that the whole five percent chance of you know well, being I had able a 5% to five percent chance of surviving the night. So mm-hmm. on the twelfth of May. Uh, in in the, the night of the 12th of May and to the 13th, that's when I had my surgery and I told my parents, okay, he has a 5% chance of surviving this night. If he does survive this night, he has another 95% chance of being brain dead. Because the, the damage was so severe that they just didn't think I would live or even be able to receive what was happening. And this would have been after the surgery. This was after the surgery. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So what what would it have been? I'll say, for instance, I'm just going to ask. Cause I'm not. You know, I just want to follow. Um, make sure I'm following. So that was the only thing. So if you, what if you didn't have the surgery? Then you'd have. Would it be like a slimmer chance? Oh, if I didn't have surgery, I would have been dead, 100%. Because okay. the surgery drained the blood out of my head. Because two blood vessels burst in my head, and the pressure of blood coming into your head, where there is no space, was pressing my brain against the side of my skull, in the inside of my skull, which was damaging my my brain. So that was one. So they had to get the blood out as quickly as possible, and that's when they saw the damage and what the damage, what the blood had done to my brain. And they knew, okay, this is so much damage. 
God. Goodness gracious. So what was next? So, okay, so when you had the surgery, how long after that, that, you know, talk with your mother, how long was it till you had the surgery? Oh, I, I, I had the surgery when I went, went blacked out. So the timeline is I blacked out. I had, a black, I had an epileptic attack. They mm. called 911, which is in the Netherlands 112. So the emergency services, emergency services came they rushed me to the hospital uh, a doctor was flown in by helicopter to perform the surgery on me they performed the surgery and they told my parents okay he has a five percent chance of living surviving the night and another 95 percent chance of being brain dead that was because the first few hours after surgery or the first few days are very critical and i was on the icu and I was in coma after the surgery for about nine days. That's when I went to the medium care and I was there for about three weeks. And that's when I went to uh, the rehabilitation center, which was mid-June and then in July was when I woke up or was conscious okay oh goodness goodness so at this time when did when did it pick up for you Kai when did you feel like that progress you know when did you start seeing and feeling um that things were getting better was it when you started like physical therapy or because you know that they came that Okay, okay. All right. Cause because as soon as they made it through the night, that 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 meant your your chances were higher as far as living, but was it more like was it gonna be vegetative or, or, or not at that point, right? Well it was probably handicapped because vegetative not really because I was able to perceive every, everything and they knew I was brain dead because they did all kinds of tests to see okay, does he what they do is uh, the the edge of your nails, where your where your skin begins and your nails end. That's where they press their nails into your hand, and if they, if you give a reaction, that's when they know. Okay, he perceives pain, so he isn't brain dead. If you if I didn't give a reaction in the hospital, that was when I was still well out. That's when they knew. Okay, he's brain dead, but I. I gave a reaction and they did all sorts of tests to see if I was brain dead and if I was in a vegetative state, if I needed to stay in a vegetative state or not. So I passed those tests and that's when the, well for me the kind of hell began because, because I rehabilitated with, for six months without seeing much progress. Mm. Oh dear. So you still kind of you still were you still felt that way um, when you told your mom to get you a gun? Were you still in that state at that point in your mind? No, because because have you have you ever seen the movie Inception? Inception sounds so familiar. Leonardo DiCaprio and it's about dreams that he enters okay. someone else's dream. Okay, no, I've heard of it. I haven't seen that one. Okay, well, for the people who have that. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio has a wife 
and his wife enters the dreams with him. At some point the wife still thinks she's in the dream and that her only way of getting out of the dream is to commit suicide, so to end her life in the dream. That was why I asked my mother for a gun, because I didn't think this was all reality. Because how could an 18 year old kid who was working out 4-6 times a week, didn't smoke, didn't drink, didn't do drugs, how was he all of a sudden a vegetable? So I thought they w- this was all a dream. And I knew it wasn't a dream after six weeks or so when I woke up. Wow. Mm. So when did things, when, when was that moment that came to you where you felt, when did you see the progress? Uh, well, that um, I have Parkinsonism, that's what, I don't know what it's called in, how to, how to call it in English, but it's, it's where you have the symptoms of the disease of Parkinson, but you don't have Parkinson's disease. Oh, wow. Parkinson's disease is where you have a do- dopamine shortage, because the dopamine cells are being killed by the disease. And dopamine is a neurotransmitter, which, uh, se- which is kind of a translator between your muscles and your brain. So your muscles speak Spanish and your brain speaks English. Your muscles tell your brain, okay, we need 20% of the output you can give. Your brain thinks, okay, right up. I'm going to give you 100%. Here you go. Take it or leave it. And your muscles just accept it 100% because they're given 100%, which is an overload for them in which they become stiff, start shaking and all that kind of stuff. I don't have the shaking part, I just have the stiffness part. So, and with brain damage, uh, most people think, and I also have have this as well, is spasm. Because your brain sends too many signals, just like with Parkinson's disease. It sends too many signals to your muscles in which they, well, they overload. Let's call it overload. So. They thought, okay, he, he's stiff because of the spasms. They gave me, in Dutch it's called baclofen. Don't know what it's called in English, but it's it's medication against spasm. And that didn't help at all. Then my physical therapist, he looked at my brain scans because he thought, okay, he's very stiff. It, it's just like Parkinson. So he looked at my brain scans and he saw, okay, yeah, he's been hit in the part where dopamine is made. Let's get a blood test. Indeed, dopamine shortage. Goodness. So what was the... Goodness, goodness. You know, you said something very um, significant and important that, you know, healthy. You know, they tell you all the things, you know, you learn all the things not to do for someone that wants to stay fit and healthy and you're young, got everything going for you, right? And you do those things and here you are in this situation could they ever did they ever tell you explain to you how is that how can someone go from healthy to to where what happened with you spontaneous happened out of nowhere they did brain scans mm-hmm. and they didn't find a cause that they told me that one in three brain hemorrhages is spontaneous doesn't have a cause just happens and it's it doesn't it, uh, it doesn't discriminate between healthy, unhealthy, 
race, gender, nothing. Anyone can be picked. That had to sit the like a... Be, Go ahead. My only advice would be, live your life to the fullest. Get every day and make it like it, live it like it's your last. Because you don't know if it's your last. So your, your story is so... so... <laughs> It's so powerful, so significant. When you said that right now, it really it, it registered with me differently than say someone that uh, got like in an accident. You know what I mean? That survived it because they knew why they were why they had you know why they were affected that way. You healthy and everything. You didn't have any of that. No signs, symptoms, nothing. And you are a walking testimony to that actual set. That's that sentiment right there is live your life because you never know. You know. It's gonna be your last. Like you, you literally could have dropped down, and basically that's what was gonna happen if they didn't get to you right away. Drop dead, yeah, for no reason that we know no of. No reason at all. Just, it just happened. Well, one of one, I had two brain hemorrhages at the same time, so two blood vessels burst at the same time. One was caused, we think, because of the pressure, because of the one in the back. So I had one in the back of my brain that. Um, I don't know if any medical personnel is listening. That one was four and a half centimeters, so about two inches uh, in length was the blood uh, pool in the back of my head. The pressure built up from that two inches made the made my blood vessel in the left side of my brain burst. So because the pressure that the one in the back made created one in the left side of my brain burst as well. So that's why I had two brain images. Wow, wow, wow. Hmm. I'm sorry, just kind of... Uh, just, um... I have a tendency sometimes to cry on my show. <laughs> no, I'm very, you know, it's just, just very, um, just... That whole sentiment, and now I now I totally understand why you share you know your story the way you do because it's just right to the point. Like live your life, live it like it should last. <laughs> yeah, um, that's so true. It just gave me like a whole nother feeling. So, uh, would you say how many people, how many, uh, how many times have you shared your story, Kai, and how many people have you watched be affected? by your story uh, I don't know how many times I've shared it because I some people just walked by me and said hey how are you doing and I heard you were in an accident and then I tell my story or at least the short version of it and everyone is affected so let's say if I want to tell it to 200 people 200 people are going to t- get hit by it everything everyone is going to be hit by it differently but they're going to be hit by it Very, very true. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I have no words. You hit me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So how, so this is what I want to ask you. Um, how is your, how is life for Kai now compared to, I would, I would say during, you know, up until recovery and all that, but when, I'm going to say now and before, before this happened, and now, what is life like for you, and, and what 
what is, what is it how what what inspires you and what motivates you who is Kai today uh, Kai today is practically the same as before but I, I like to compare myself with I'm an 18 year I'm an 80 year old guy or 80 year old man in the body of a 19 year old because the life experiences and the, the lessons I've learned aren't something you can normally find in a 19 year old kid it's something you usually find in an elderly man so in that perspective I've changed a lot in my happy-go-lucky kind of way of living I haven't changed at all I'm still making the best of every day just like I did before I'm happy I am ambitious I want to achieve goals that's something that's not changing my personality with my day-to-day life something has drastically changed and that's how many pills of dopamine do you think I need to take a day nothing is wrong every day huh Every day, I'm 19 and I, I need to take a dopamine pill every one and a half hours. How long did it take for you to get used to um, doing that? Where you, you know, the whole the time thing, did you ever have to set off an alarm or like get on some kind of a schedule to where you did not forget? Uh, no, I have, an, I have an alarm in my phone, in my iPhone. And you can just press repeat and then it just repeats itself. So that's very easy. Um, but the road to discovering that I had to take 16 pills of dopamine, because that is normal. That's not normal for normal Parkinson patients. Even though I don't have Parkinson's disease, I do have the symptoms. So dopamine shortage in which normal Parkinson patients need to take or maybe five dopamine pills a day and that's enough for them but i don't store any dopamine in my head that i don't make enough and i don't create enough dopamine and i don't store it anymore so everything that comes in is immediately used which is why with the um the time for the medication to lose its effectiveness for almost half of it it takes about one and a half hours so I discovered okay I need to take pills every one and a half hour to function properly you're you're made you're incredibly incredibly brave and strong and then to to you know have your your purpose and, and to go out and share to live you know with people just to live that's a, it's a beautiful beautiful um you know sentiment you know especially what you've been through and what you see in the world today you know people hold on to so much anger and so much uh division you know and i know you see it differently you pop, do you ever sit back and look at, at everybody like what are you doing? You have so much life to live and you spend it angry. Do you ever, especially since what happened, do you ever look at the world completely different when you see people fighting over racism and, and gender, all that stuff that goes on? 
Yeah. How do you take I, that in? I think it's just I don't I don't understand it anymore because everyone is the same. If you're black, purple, white, blue, brown, uh, yellow, orange, doesn't matter to me. Everyone is the same. You're all human beings. So why be angry at each other? Why think differently? Even with the religion that you're Christian, you're Buddhist, you're Hinduism, you're Islam. That you believe in Islam doesn't doesn't matter. You believe in your own thing. Don't try to force people to think your way. Just go about your day and enjoy life. Because that's what it's all about. So true. So true. Wow. So how was it? How was it like for your your mother and your father? How you know? Because I know they they that was an experience for them too. So what is it? What's the relationship like? And are how how has this affected them? Uh, they. I've I've asked this question many times to them, and they can't really answer it. That they just want me to succeed and didn't want me to stay a vegetable or stay the way I was so they pushed me really hard in order to succeed and now that I've done it they're pushing me hard to pass my exams and my dad told me after the exams are done that's when I can relax because that's when I know okay, okay I have succeeded in my purpose as dad That's amazing. That's amazing that they push you so hard. And I can I can um, respect that, you know, because a lot of parents or people might go soft, you know, on you because what you've been through and all that. But I see it kind of it affected your parents in a way, too, to where, you know, you want to just live now because of you could have lost your life at the drop of a dime. And for them, it's like, go, go hard, you know, because of that situation, like do the best you can. So they took it a different a, diff- a different route. And I respect that instead of you know, call, you know, coddling you and and making, you know, most parents, a lot of parents probably would be the opposite and been fragile, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I see where you get it from. They, you get it from your parents. They uh, just pushed me because they, they knew, okay, if, you, if you're not going to work to 100, 120% for the goal you want to achieve, it's not going to happen. And that's something I take to heart after my rehabilitation that if you really want to achieve something really work for it really go and go at it even if you think you can't do it just try it you may even surprise yourself right is it in a way to you is it like living fearless basically yeah it's it's basically living fearless because you dare to take every step you you want to take don't look back just look ahead and but also appreciate where you're coming from because if you only look ahead and you only look at the end goal you don't know what you've achieved along the way so dare to dare to stop and look back for a moment look at where you've come from
yeah. So, Kat, let me ask you a question. So, through, through all this, what is something that you have not done yet? Is there anything, like, kind of a little wild that you wanted to do? Like, you got, a, like, a bucket list or anything like that? Well, I want to travel the world and meet as many people as I can. Awesome. Awesome. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Well, I just know that I didn't know what to expect, you know, and uh, and it made sense too. Like, cause I noticed it was a little brief, right? You just kind of hit the points, like on your on your uh, profile. It's okay. Well, he'll just get into it, and then you just it, you're it, it wasn't drawn out or anything. You just were Kai, just healthy, walking around, and then with no no cause or, or anything. Do you ever wonder what that truly was about? Was it deeper? Do you, do you think it was a, a higher power or anything of the sort? Well, I think it was just bad luck. Just chance saying, okay, you of all people need to go through this in order to become the next version of you. But I'm glad that I went through this and no one else because um, no one else and that's what I've heard most of the time was that someone said to me okay if I were in such a situation I would have gone with the first option of getting a gun and ending it all while I thought okay I want to end it all until I knew it wasn't real it was until I knew it was real and that's when I thought okay I need to work hard get where I want to be. Most people would have just given up. But that's in that perspective I'm glad that I had it and no one else because I don't know if if, if if anyone else would have been able to look at it so positively and turn it into something positive. Yeah. You're right about that. Not everybody's built the same and you seem to be that the person that would mentally strong to get through that and carry the message to carry this message along to people to live don't be scared don't live in fear you know don't worry about the bills don't worry about tomorrow don't worry about this because those things will work themselves out just live oh man that's amazing you just changed my whole life right now to be honest with you I felt like I just see the world in a whole different way and um you know I mean, I feel those ways too. Like I tell people like, you have to live today because you're worried about tomorrow. You're worried about the future. And really all we have is now. The future's not here yet, so it doesn't exist. Yesterday's the past, can't go back, right? Well, but, uh, when you, okay, you have three moments. Tomorrow, you can't do anything because it's tomorrow. Yesterday, you can't do anything about it because it's yesterday. So today is the only thing you can do something. So yeah. take, it, take it by the hand and do it. The gift, the present, right? <laughs> that, wow. to, to quote Master Ugwe, um, yesterday is history, tomorrow is mystery, but today is a gift. That's why it's called the present. I like it. I like it. I love it. Well, I know when you do, when you do, and I know you will, when you write that amazing book you write, oh, it's going to be, I already know. Let me know so I can make sure I get my copy. But, uh, I do appreciate you being so humble and coming on here and sharing your experience. Well, before I write the book, I want to go into the public speaking 
sector because I learned some kind of le some lessons and I've gotten a method of how to know where you're mentally going wrong and how to know if you're not making progress because of your own mental barriers or if it's something on the outside which you can't control and so I have three lessons and a method that I want to share with people in my public speaking career okay you're gonna, you're gonna be amazing and people are really gonna benefit from it your gift you really are was there anything that you want to say to the listeners um you know just to leave them with with something to hold on to don't look at where you where you're heading look at where you started appreciate how far you've come and that's how you need to stay that's how you stay positive if you only look at the end goal you're not going to reach it because it's so far away and you don't know what you've learned along the way stop and look back for a while for a moment look at where you started Look at what you've learned and how far you've come. Appreciate it. That's what life all about. I love it. I love it. Wow. Well, do you have uh, any type, do you have any social media or links? Like if anybody wanted to follow you or um, reach out? I've got LinkedIn. I've got LinkedIn. That's Kai Smith. So K-A-J-S-M-I-T. And then I also have a website, which is K-A-J-S-M-I-T, with no space in between, dot com. That's where they can reach me, or LinkedIn. Okay. Sounds good, sounds good. Well, once again, we appreciate you. You're always welcome back here. I would love to help you be able to meet more people and to tell your story. As much as I can help you, plus anything you need. Um, for the listeners, um, we hope that you you really listened and um, really took this in because this is a message for us all, young, old, all of us, just for humanity. Because we need to just live because this right here, his story is a prime example of why, how it shows how we take our lives for granted. So this is the great Kai Smith and Brandy J with Voices of Courage. And until next time, see you later. Guys, you were just listening to Kai Smith and his profound story. Live, live life. Because you just don't know. This young man was, to many of us, we would call him a baby. He was so healthy. And then one day, but look where he is now. And he's such a grateful, amazing individual. Please let this, his story, impact you. Let it hit all the human emotions. And share, share this episode. Thank you guys for tuning in and listening to Kai Smith. And until next time, my friends, this is Brandy J. And another day, Voices of Courage. Mm-hmm.